Another totemic week within Fine Gael, with Enderkenny telling his TDs his reign as party leader will soon come to an end. The Taoiseach then went to Brussels and gave the clearest demand yet that any Brexit deal must accommodate the possibility of a united Ireland. And yet, if you're abroad, the most you might have heard from Irish politics this week was about rhododendrons. Just another barmy seven days in Irish politics. I'm Gavin Riley. this is Today FM, and this is That Was The Week. So, where were we then? Well, when last we spoke a week ago, the Taoiseach was facing down the barrel of a motion of no confidence and demands to set out a timetable for his proposed departure. And at the time, Kenny himself hadn't actually given any explicit indication that he was going to go at all. Backbenchers spent much of their Saturday wondering exactly what might happen next, no doubt with heavy contact going on behind the scenes. Most of the Cabinet, including the Fine Gael ministers, was attending the wedding of former Fine Gael Senator Eugene Regan, who's now a judge at the European Court of Justice, at the former Four Seasons Hotel in Ballsbridge. It was the archetype high society wedding. Enda Kenny himself wasn't there, having retired to Mayo to lick his wounds and discuss his future at home with his family, but most of the Fine Gael Cabinet, as I said, was in attendance. But no doubt there was only one topic of discussion among them, and tensions no doubt would have been raised when comments from Leo Varadkar were circulated ahead of the Sunday papers. Everyone is waiting to hear from the Taoiseach, he said. The current situation is distracting and destabilising for the government, the party and the country. I have full confidence in the Taoiseach to settle it. The tone was quite polite, but the implication behind the words was significant. It was a politely worded demand for Enda Kenny to get off the stage. The timing of this was also curious, by the way. On Saturday morning, some of the newspaper headlines had marked Varadkar as a bit of a Judas figure, saying that he was suffering in internal straw polls because he was seen to have forced the departure of Fine Gael's most successful leader of all time. On Sunday morning, Paddy Power had Simon Coveney as its odds-on favourite to become the new leader, with Varadkar at even money. But then, in an odd intervention, Simon Coveney appeared on RTE's The Week in Politics, and then appeared to set out a timetable for Enda Kenny to leave. My opinion is that, um, that the Taoiseach should go to Washington because there's been a huge amount of work in preparation for that visit and it's in the country's interest that he go. Uh, but I think after that visit, uh, you will see, I hope, an orderly uh, and quite a quick transition after that uh, to, to new leadership within Fine Gael, uh, but also obviously um, um, a, a potential change of Taoiseach after that. Okay. Uh, and, but look... I trust the Taoiseach to to use his own judgment on this. He's been around a long time, uh, uh, and my sense is uh, is that he will provide that certainty quite quickly. Coveney had gone further than Varadkar already had. He almost explicitly set out a timetable for Kenny to head to the hills, go to the White House, come home and quit. Three hours later, Paddy Power had suspended its betting after a flood of money on Varadkar, which had sent his odds to four to one on. That means you'd have to bet €40 Euro in order to win another 10 back. In the meantime, even Fianna Fáil was getting a bit fed up with the whole navel-gazing, just as spokesman Jim O'Callaghan appeared to suggest to Fine Gael, just get the hell on with it. We need to look at where this country is at present. We're three weeks from the British triggering Brexit. We're going to have an EU council meeting on the 9th or 10th of March. And we now have a government that's solely concerned about Fine Gael's electoral interests. So does Fianna, they could not, see, just say this. does Fianna Fáil want to see the Taoiseach come out and clarify I want this. to say to you, they could not have picked a worse time 
for this country's interests to start this Fine Gael nonsense again. This is the longest running and most inept heave in the history of political heaves. It started back in June 2010, it went on again last year, and now last week was such a shambolic occasion that they've started it again. But on Sunday afternoon came an intervention from a completely unexpected source. You'd never guess what it was, the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party's internal WhatsApp group. A screen grab emerged in the Irish Times on Sunday afternoon, which went as follows. Pat Breen, Junior Minister at the Department of Jobs. Your man is doing well. Charlie Flanagan, Minister for Foreign Affairs. Thanks. He hasn't announced yet, but Francis is encouraging him. He wants out of health. Wait, is that suggesting that Simon Harris wants the biggest job in the country because he's tired of his current one? Was this two candidates openly talking about Simon Harris's prospects in a group in which he's a member? Was it just banter? Was it a joke gone wrong? Had they entered the wrong WhatsApp group by accident? Simon Harris took to Twitter himself shortly afterwards and was clearly irked by the suggestion. Working as hard as I possibly can in my job as health minister, he tweeted, lots to do, no intention of engaging in idle speculation. Others pointed out that it might be equally true that Leo Varadkar wants out of social protection or that Simon Coveney wants out of housing, but that wasn't being held against them. The matter was sidelined ever so slightly, however, by comments from a spokesman for Enda Kenny, who said on Sunday night that Kenny would make his plans clear at the weekly meeting of Fine Gael TDs and Senators the following Wednesday, and that meant no need to speculate in the meantime. But clearly Simon Harris was still a little bit peeved by Monday morning. Well, my colleague Charlie Flanagan has many, many fine attributes. He's a great colleague of mine, but telling funny jokes on a Sunday afternoon is clearly not one of them. Um, so I'm absolutely honoured to hold this position. People can say what they like about me, but I would hope even my harshest critics would acknowledge that I'm doing everything I can in this role and that I'm trying to engage in the role with an energy and an enthusiasm that I think is befitting of the role. Charlie Flanagan, for his part, was fairly contrite about the remarks on WhatsApp too. It was a joke. It was... Uh it should be taken as that. It was uh, jovial Sunday afternoon banter. I regret that it's been taken so seriously. Ah, the famous Richard Keyes defence. It was just banter. But by the way, Simon Harris wasn't exactly ruling himself out of the running either. There is no vacancy yet. There is a huge body of work to carry out here. We have uh, the effects of Trumpism to, to our left when looking at a map, and we have the effects of Brexit uh, to our right. And while some might wish to engage in idle speculation, I don't. The Taoiseach has made it clear that he'll make a statement to the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party meeting on Wednesday. He has my full confidence and support. And if and when a vacancy arises uh, within the Fine Gael Party, I, I'll consider my options at that stage, as I'm sure many other colleagues will. So when the vacancy he comes up he says I might be in the running couldn't he just politely rule himself out of the running like Richard Bruton had done oh no wait that's not what Richard Bruton did at all I'm not saying come there, there is no at this point there's no vacancy I'm not commenting on either any of the contenders I'm not commenting on, on this matter I'm just commenting that you know this is a time of challenge and we as a mature party need to sit down together discuss the issues and make the right decisions for the future and that's that's my my uh, primary interest by the way in an interview a few months ago with Hugh O'Connell in the Sunday Business Post Richard Bruton turned down five opportunities to rule himself out of the running to be the next Fine Gael leader and for good measure, Frances Fitzgerald wasn't exactly ruling herself out of the running either. It's very important that we wait and hear what the Taoiseach uh, has to say. And uh, when he's made that clear, then I'd be considering my own position. But let's wait and, and uh, hear what he has to say on, on Wednesday evening. He said he's going to be speaking to the parliamentary party. He's not making a comment before then. So I think uh, we all look forward with interest to see what he has to say on Wednesday evening. All the while, Simon Coveney was now trying to subtly unsay what he had said the previous day and rein in any apparent demand for Kenny to swan off. 
I think the party needs to settle down now, quite frankly. I think we need to give our leader the time and space that, that he needs uh, to follow through uh, on what he said he'd do, uh, which is to manage an orderly uh, change of leadership within the party. Uh, and I expect that that, that will start uh, when he comes home after St. Patrick's Day. And I think we should all just back off now and let that process be planned for. Sources close to Coveney had suggested, by the way, that he hadn't really meant to give the sort of ultimatum that he did. But another interesting point was that when Anya Lawler put it to him that a race between himself and Varadkar would be seen as a battle between a workhorse, that is Coveney, and a show pony, that is Varadkar, Coveney simply blushed and didn't really dispute the portrayal. The battle was truly on. And that brings us to Tuesday morning, when Enda Kenny would come face to face with the rest of Cabinet and also with his own ministers at the weekly Fine Gael pre-meeting. On the way into that meeting, well, guess what? Simon Harris was still neither in nor out. I've made no decision in relation to running or not running, but I, but I always do make the point that I think age is immaterial. Um, I've worked extremely hard in government in a range of positions as Minister for Health, as Minister of State for the OPW, as Minister of State in the Department of Finance, as a member of the Public Accounts Committee, as a TD, um, and in a range of other areas before I was involved in politics, including disability advocacy. I think people should be judged uh, on their vision for the country um, and not on, on an age on a birth cert. But at this stage, the impatience was really beginning to show already. On Sunday, you had already heard Jim O'Callaghan putting the boot into Fine Gael, taking their time with a heave that was ill-timed and yet years in the making. But before Cabinet, even one of the Cabinet's own members, the Independent Alliance's Finian McGrath, was openly getting impatient. We need a speedy con- conclusion to that particular debate as well, so that we can all focus on the day job, as I say. I'm trying to bring forward a disability bill tonight so that I can ratify the UN Convention in a few months' time. And I'm constantly that's constantly been taken off the agenda by a lot of the distractions. So I want to get out and do my job. We need to get this resolved as quickly as possible. But there was no such clarity at either meeting. The matter wasn't discussed at all in the pre-meeting of Fine Gael ministers. And when Finian raised it at the full cabinet table, he was swiftly batted down. He was told it would be discussed at Fine Gael's Wednesday meeting. And that was that. And in the meantime, Fianna Fáil were still anxious and a little concerned that they would have to keep a government in place while a leadership campaign ground the whole business of government to a halt. Finance spokesman Michael McGrath. The relevance of the Fine Gael leadership is how it impacts on the day-to-day workings of government. And for us, that is the critical issue. And as I said, you know, we're not going to, to stand back and facilitate a government that develops into a circus. And the last couple of weeks have not been good enough, quite frankly. Uh, and we can't afford more of the same as a country because we're facing massive challenges. The next couple of months will be absolutely crucial uh, in terms of the start of the Brexit negotiations and so on. And you know, we have a government now that is presiding over a record number of homeless people uh, in our country and you know that's not good enough and the government has to show that it is absolutely focused on dealing with those issues. And a similar level of frustration was voiced in the Dáil that afternoon when Micheál Martin suggested that the runners and riders were leaving their current jobs abandoned. The Minister for Housing was on the media over the weekend giving you a deadline and giving you a timeline uh, in terms of when you should leave Thank office. I think it would have been far more focused of the Minister if he concentrated on what is an appalling emergency for thousands of families in this country. Jerry Adams had a similar theme, referencing some of the Taoiseach's own words back to him. Taoiseach, in October 2015, as you exhorted the people to keep the recovery going, you warned, and I quote, we are facing a fork in the road. One track leads to continued stability and certainty. Along the other track lies instability and chaos. 
Unfortunately for the citizens of this state and the island, you stayed on the wrong track. Good government should be about ending the chaos in health, ending the chaos in housing, ending the chaos in governance, ending tax chaos, ending the chaos in the justice system, and ending the chaos in industrial relations. That's what you should be doing. But Taoiseach, chaos is now your middle name. And now your ministerial colleagues have brought chaos to your own party. Ender wasn't biting, at least for the time being. There is no change. Uh, you can have opinions one way or the other. Obviously, the position is that government are focused on doing the job for the people in the country, as was our remit when we were elected. But only a few minutes later, Micheál Martin rightly pointed out that a leadership campaign might see the dole grinding to a halt for a while. Quite a number of the ministers that have been nominated by you, Taoiseach, um, have publicly set a timeline, a timetable for you leaving office. Uh, and I would put it to your Taoiseach that that could presage... Um, having to come to the House again if there's to be a change, uh, if there's been new ministers appointed, that will need the approval of the House. So that's central to the implementation of the legislation that's planned under the Programme for Government. And I simply want to ask you, Taoiseach, I would argue that it's a matter that's first and foremost if there are any plans to change or any plans uh, in relation to that, that perhaps you owe to the House uh, to make the House aware. But nonetheless, I do think uh, if you have any information... <laughs> I appreciate that, Concordia. I'd appreciate if you any information you should relate to the House T-shirt. Let me assure you, Deputy Martin, that there is no change in the government. Government have a serious agenda here in terms of its programme for government, in terms of the, um, uh, the work of every minister, both in terms of their contact with their councils in regard to Brexit, uh, trade missions and other activities as part of the programme for government. Uh, so, so there is no change. Uh, you can have opinions one way or the other. Obviously, the position is that government are focused on doing the job for the people in the country, as was our remit when we were elected. So, nothing doing there, and all quiet apparently on the Western Front. And that brought us to Wednesday, D-Day, when even former Fine Gael TDs, including the now independent minister, Dennis Nocton, were getting a little bit antsy. He spoke to me when I was filling in on the last word on Wednesday evening. Well, look, I think it's important that uh, we have, uh, you know, clarity on foot of tonight's Fine Gael Parliamentary Party meeting. Whatever that clarity is, that's up to Fine Gael and that's up to the Taoiseach to decide that. But I think it is important that we do have clarity uh, because it will allow then uh, government to refocus uh, on the work that it is, has ahead of it, a significant amount of work in delivering uh, on the programme for government and delivering now with the challenges on foot of Brexit as well. Does it destabilise if he gives a date and it's still a few months away? Look, I, I don't know. I think what we need here is clarity uh, in relation to it. I hope that we will get uh, clarity uh, tonight, whatever that is. The issues in relation to timing and so forth, that's a matter for the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party uh, and organisation to decide. I'm not going to get involved in that or speculate on it. The signals in advance of that Fine Gael meeting were that Enda Kenny would not name a specific date for stepping down. The logic was that if he did so, every meeting that happened before that date would be rendered pointless. If, for example, he said he was quitting on March the 31st, then why would Donald Trump bother meeting him on St. Patrick's Day? What would be the point of his other meetings with other European Prime Ministers if Enda Kenny wasn't the man in charge when Brexit gets underway? But before we wondered about what Kenny might actually say in the room, there was a brief hiccup and journalists wondered whether they'd actually get to find out at all. 
Fia Kelly from the Irish Times, who is usually a pretty prolific live tweeter of those Fine Gael private meetings, explained to me on the last word. Yeah, there's a slight glitch for uh, journalists like myself and yourself, Gavin, who rely on people texting us from inside yeah, the room. That, uh, yeah, Dublin Ratdown TD, Josepha Madigan, has asked uh, that the Parliamentary Party Chair, Martin Hayden, deal with the, the use of phones by colleagues at the meeting. And there is a suggestion that people may leave their phones at a table at the outset of the meeting. But some TDs believe that won't actually happen, that there might be a general appeal for people to stay off their phones, but people aren't going to surrender their phones and put them into a basket at the, at the door or at the top, at the top table. As it transpired, that never came to pass and TDs were allowed to keep their phones but the discussion did at least stem the tide of leaks coming from within the room. The first journalist to get one was RTE's David Davenpower. Apparently the Taoiseach's contribution was very short at the top of the meeting. Uh, He told TDs and senators that he would deal effectively and conclusively with uh, the leadership issue very shortly after his return from Washington uh, for the where where, where he'll be for the St. Patrick's Day celebrations. I'm told uh, his speech was greeted by a round of applause. He sat down no one else spoke, there was no debate, and the meeting has now moved on to other uh, routine issues. What was curious about all of this is how it was portrayed. The first presentation emerging from the room was that it was a defiant Taoiseach, staring down his enemies, refusing to be bullied. What emerged a few hours afterwards tended to cast some doubt over this kind of portrayal. One TD told me that Enda Kenny had, for the first time that anyone could remember, used speaking notes. He had read his speech off some flashcards. It was scripted, something which appeared to subtract from the apparently emotional stare-down he was reputed to have given. The TD who told me that said that it was far from the fighting Enda they'd seen before. A second TD in the room said that Enda Kenny hadn't really been emotional or stirring, but rather prompt, businesslike, almost abrupt. But another one said that the idea that Kenny had risen up and struck down his enemies, stared them down and made them back away, was in his words, total bullshit. Either way, everyone seemed happy with the content of the speech. They had, as they were told, read between the lines. Kenny said he was going to deal with the leadership issue conclusively, but how could you be conclusive about leadership unless you were concluding your leadership? Martin Hayden, the party party chairman, later emerged and insisted the matter was now put to bed once and for all. A very uh, unified party uh, coming out of this parliamentary party meeting. Um, And, you know... The thing about Fine Gael is we're a, a diverse group and people have different views and unlike other political parties, uh, w- w- uh, our members feel free to speak their mind and that's not a bad thing uh, in some respects. And I'm very happy after tonight's meeting that we have clarity from the teacher around his position and that we have a party that's united moving forward and a very important work in front of us. But the party that he left behind wasn't all that united. On the face of it, everyone was giving Enda Kenny the time to breathe. He left for Brussels on Thursday for meetings with his Belgian counterpart, Charles Michel, and then with the head of the European Commission, Jean-Claude Juncker, where they would discuss Brexit at both meetings. But in Kenny's wake, the chief whip, Regina Doherty, in comments that largely went completely under the radar, put the boot into the TD who had kicked off the leadership question in the first place, Noel Rock. If you heard last week's podcast, you'll know that it was only on Monday of last week that somebody suggested Fine Gael should change leader. Now, only nine days later, it was happening. Speaking at LMFM local radio, Regina Doherty was far from happy about the situation. Noel has been particularly um, vocal in the last number of weeks. Um, And given that, number one, he is so young and so inexperienced, and also that he nominated a Taoiseach not once but four times less than a couple of months ago, it genuinely took a lot of us by surprise. He might get your Um, job, I take it. 
Well, I, I hear rumours. I might be the shortest-lived mm. chief whip ever, but, mm. you know, and best of luck to him if he does. I do, I'm, I'm not begrudging anybody, but there's there's an element of respect and loyalty that's required um, in this game because it's a tough game. And if you don't have allies, mm. you know, then well, you have an he, awful lot of enemies. And he didn't do himself any He's aligning favors. himself with Leo Vradker, isn't he? Well, now, from my conversations with Leo, they haven't had very much to talk about except to maybe point out to the young buck, like that he might think he's doing people favours, but actually he's damaging not only that particular leadership. Do you not uh, like him or do you not not rate him? No, I actually, he's an incredibly intelligent young man and obviously is quite ambitious. He's very young and inexperienced. You need to learn to walk in this game before you can run a marathon. But the day after the speech, it seemed the air had gone out of the story entirely. Leo Varadkar, on the evening of the speech, had made another comment through his spokesman. This time he said Kenny had settled the matter conclusively and everyone was relieved that there would be no damaging divisions. Simon Coveney said similar and that appeared to be the end of it. Everyone was in fact so relieved that they didn't even seem to pay that close attention to what Enda Kenny said in Brussels the next day where he publicly commented on his departure schedule for the first time and already appeared to be allowing that deadline to slip away. We had expected, I think, that the Prime Minister was going to move um, move uh, our, uh, our Article 50 uh, on a particular date. I think that might be delayed a little, uh, but clearly the important meetings for setting up the negotiations are one that I do uh, hope to be in attendance at uh, and play our part in, um, in, uh, in setting out, uh, again, our priorities here. First of all, those opening negotiations are due to last about six weeks. So if Article 50 was invoked on schedule, which is meant to be at the European Council meeting on the 9th and 10th of March, Kenny would still be around until around the end of April. And that would tally with his expected resignation shortly after St. Patrick's Day. If he came home from the White House and announced he was stepping down, he would still be Taoiseach until around about the end of April, when a new Fine Gael leader would be chosen to take over from him. And that all seemed to tally. But if Enda Kenny was suggesting that Article 50 could be delayed in the first place, it means that his timetable for departing might not be quite so clear-cut, and it's something we will have to keep an eye on. But Enda Kenny did also comment about what he wanted out of the Brexit talks and made some significant comments about a united Ireland. The President is very much uh, well acquainted with the Good Friday Agreement and he's already said that we don't want to see the Good Friday Agreement damaged in any way. That's a real priority for us, given that Europe supports a peace, peace process very strongly. Uh, the language of the Good Friday Agreement speaks for itself and it provides that opportunity that you've mentioned, Sean, in respect of the um, situation that arose after the Berlin Wall was taken down and that East Germany was able to join, uh, to join West Germany in a, in a, in a seamless fashion. Uh, so that's already inherent in the Good Friday Agreement. So therefore, in protecting that and in being able to implement it, we want that language incorporated um, uh, into, the, into the agreement. In the meantime, by Friday, everyone had become so restless again that Leo Varadkar formally admitted on News Talk Breakfast that he would be a candidate whenever the vacancy finally opened up. Uh, inevitably, uh, human nature being human nature and politics being politics, I'm uh, meeting uh, my party colleagues all the time, you know, TD senators, councillors, uh, party members, and um, it doesn't take long for them to bring it up. So, <laughs> you know, of course, those kind of conversations are happening, but there's no official or formal campaign uh, and really won't be until after St. Patrick's Day. Later that day, Varadkar was asked about whether he was happy for his personal life to be brought into the campaign. And at this point, we should pause the tape and go back a few days. On Tuesday, the Irish Independent carried an opinion piece by Miriam Donoghue about the importance of the political spouse. Essentially, the piece was pointing out how atypical it would be to elect a new Taoiseach who didn't have a long-standing female partner by their side. She wrote, 
If Leo Varadkar fulfills his ambition and wins the Fine Gael leadership contest, it will be a shift from what we expect of our leaders' private lives. There won't be any wife doing photo calls with him on the plinth of Leinster House if he's victorious. No one hopping on stage to peck him on the cheek after a party conference speech. And you can be sure the international headlines won't be Doctor elected Irish Prime Minister. The headline will be Ireland elects gay Prime Minister. But what also raised eyebrows wasn't simply remarking on the fact that one of the leading candidates to become Taoiseach is gay. It was the fact that Donoghue had named Varadkar's boyfriend, Matt Barrett, who hadn't previously been identified in any media coverage. And the piece included a photograph of the pair taken directly from Matt's Facebook page. Later that day, the Irish Independent website spun that picture off into its own article and also contained more pictures, again taken from Matt's Facebook, carrying a headline about the dashing doctor backing his partner's bid to become Taoiseach. Now, Leo Varadkar and Matt Barrett are together around 18 months, but it does raise the question, is it immediately fair to elevate Barrett to the status of partner? The second independent piece did note that they had so far shunned the spotlight, but it didn't think to ask whether they would like to continue to do so, and shunning the spotlight didn't seem to be any defence for the independent not to go raiding Matthew Barrett's Facebook page to take some photographs of the couple. But either way, it does seem to elevate Varadkar's private life to the point where his boyfriend's presence or otherwise at a state function or potentially even in Oris Anukderon in a few months' time, if Leo was taking his seal of office, is now something newsworthy. On Friday morning, Varadkar was asked for his thoughts on this coverage of his personal life. Um, I, what, I, what I suppose would, would like any contest to happen, whenever it does happen, I'd like it to be uh, about um, not personalities, but uh, people's vision for the future of the country, uh, how we can move on from a situation where we've... Uh, crawled out of a very difficult recession uh, into one where we can be much more ambitious about the future of our country and think about the next phase uh, and also about people's different ideas about uh, how we can turn Fine Gael into a fighting force again. Um, I'm not going to make um, my personal life or my family life an issue in any campaign uh, and I hope and trust others won't do either. Here, here. Let's hope that's the end of it. 100 to 102 Today FM Before we go, we really must finish with the other story that you might have heard about during the week. Yes, it's about the rhododendrons, if that's even how you're allowed to pronounce them. Michael Healy-Ray brought this matter to the floor of Dáil Éireann on Tuesday evening. The rhododendron situation in Killarney National Park has gone so bad now, Minister. Nothing short of calling in the army is going to put it right, because the, the resources are so much needed there to put it in order. He also locked horns with the Tourism Minister, Michael Ring, on this very serious issue. We all know that Killarney is not the tourism capital of Kerry or of Ireland or of Europe, but it is the tourism capital of the world. And I want to put on that on the record of the House. As far as I'm concerned, the number one place in Ireland, in Europe and in the world is a place called Westport in County Mayo. And any time you want to come down on the holidays, you're very welcome to come down. Once you've managed to gather your thoughts about this bombshell, you can send your feedback, positive or otherwise, to gav at todayfm.com. That's gav at todayfm.com. I'll be back next weekend with another look back at the previous seven days in Irish politics. I hope you'll join me then. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. I'm Gavin Riley, and that was The Week. to 102 Today FM.